Good morning, everybody. I know you all had a great holiday. Let's all declare this together. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I want you to open your Bibles this morning to John 15, if you would. Now, I'm going to be reading from a translation that we really are not going to be able to show you uh, on the screen. So I want you to pay particularly attention to the word live. I believe in the verses that I'm going to read, the word live is going to be found 11 times from John chapter 15. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the life that is in the word. We thank you, Lord, today for washing us with pure water by your word. Sanctify us through thy truth. Your word is truth. I ask you, sir, to give me utterance by your spirit today. Taylor, make this message exactly what is needed for the people that are here in this place this morning. And Lord, we give you praise and glory ahead of time. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to be reading from God's Word translation. And the title of my message today is, Where Do You Live? In verse 4, Jesus says, live in me and I will live in you. A branch cannot produce any fruit by itself. It has to stay attached to the vine. In the same way, you cannot produce fruit unless you live in me. And of course, the King James Version says, abide in me or to reside in me. You know, we ask the question oftentimes, Where do you live? Well, Jesus is telling us where to live. In verse 5, he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who live in me while I live in them will produce a lot of fruit. But you can't produce anything without me. I wonder, does it matter where we live? And does it matter what lives on the inside of us? In verse 6, Whosoever doesn't live in me is thrown away like a branch and dries up. Branches like this are gathered and thrown into a fire and burned. But if you live in me, and what I says lives in you, then ask for anything that you want, and it will be yours. So we keep hearing this phrase, about where we live. And then in verse 9 through verse 12, he says, I have loved you the same way the Father has loved me. So live in my love. If you obey my commandments, you will live in my love. I have obeyed my Father's commandments, and in that way, I live in his love. I have told you this so that you will be as joyful as I am And that your joy might be complete or full. Love each other as I have loved you. This is what I am commanding you to do. Now there is a connection between keeping the love command, which we're commanded to love one another as he has loved us, and fullness of joy. Walking in love and living in love and being a witness for Christ when we're flowing in the love of God is not meant to be a challenging, difficult duty. When the Lord gives us his commands, the scripture says it's not burdensome 
nor is it grievous. It should be natural for you and I to walk in love. After all, the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So back to our thought on where do, we, where do you live? You know, I went golfing the other day, and oftentimes I golf uh, just going out cold as a single. And not being single, I'm married, of course. But, you know, in golf they have a threesome, and a single, of course, joins the threesome. And I golf with some really delightful guys, you know, from Palo Alto. And I, you know, asked the question during the course of the 18 holes, where do you live? <clears throat> of course, one lived in Palo Alto, another in Sunnyvale. And so it's a common question that we have, you know, generally when the question asks, well, I live in California, I live in Alameda County, or I live in Oakland, I live in San Francisco, or, you know, I live in Union City. But that's not really where we live. We live in here. And we live in here. Where you live inwardly is really where you live. And of course, where you live outwardly depends an awful lot about where you're living inwardly as well. And that's another subject. But did you know that you can live in the poorest place on the planet. You can live in dire circumstances with very little materially and still be happy on the inside. And it's also possible to live in Hawaii. Anybody ever been to Hawaii? Of course, in the Bay Area, we live in one of the most beautiful places in the United States. But you could live in paradise, have a yacht, have a hangar with a jet, take you anywhere you want to go at any time, have any type of food just at your beckoning call, and yet on the inside be suicidal. It is not where we live out here that is our life. Our life is in here. And that is where he lives. And he says to us, If you live in me and my word lives in you, you'll be able to have fellowship with me and you will begin to ask according to the desires of your heart that I place in you and I will cause you to have joy unspeakable in life. Where have you been living? Where have you been living? He tells us where to live. He says, live in me, and I will live in you. How many of you know that a branch cannot produce any fruit by itself? But if we will stay attached to the vine, we're going to produce fruit for the glory of God. Can you tell if a person is living in him? Can you tell if you're living in him? You see, I believe this, that when we are living in Him, we will have fruit in our lives. You will never see a Christian that is depressed and always moaning and groaning and complaining about their circumstances around them that is truly living in Him. 
Now, we all face challenges. We all face days where maybe we're not as up as we would like to be. But I'm talking about, by and large, it is a witness when the joy of the Lord is manifesting in your life. It is a witness when the whole world around us is biting their nails, worrying about the economy, worrying about the politicians. Let me give you a clue. Stop worrying about the politicians and start praying for your nation. But it is not a good witness for us not to have peace. If you're abiding in Him and you're truly living in Him, you will have a peace that passes all understanding. Now, living in Him is absolutely not automatic. You and I have a choice every day. We can choose what we read. We can choose what we watch on television. We can choose what we look at on the internet. We can choose the words that we speak. We can choose the thoughts that we think. You see, wherever your mind is at, whatever you're thinking on on a regular basis is what your spirit is connected to. We live in our spirit. We live in our soul. We live in our mind. You can live in Siberia. And if you've got a Bible, and you know how to fellowship with the king, you can operate in the joy of the Lord. Say it with me, the joy of the Lord. Lord. It It is my strength. He told us, where to live. We are to live in his word and his word is to live in us. Look at John chapter 15 and notice with me in verse uh, four and five. And I'm not, I want to look at, at the amplified version. Live in him and he will live in you. I cannot even imagine life without him. I cannot imagine standing up here in front of you today at 9.33 a.m. on the Sunday after Thanksgiving without Him. Without Him, I can do nada. Without Him, we might as well just forget it. Without Him, we're nothing. But thank God we're not without Him. We are in Him and He is in us. And in Him and through Him, we can do all things through the Anointed One and His anointing, which strengthens us. You can face the challenges that you will face this week because you're in Him. Hallelujah. Look at John 15, verse 4 in the Amplified. Let's read this together. Let's participate in the Word. Ready, read. Dwell in me and I will dwell in you. Live in me, and I will live in you. Just as no branch can bear fruit of itself without abiding or being unitedly to the vine, neither can you bear fruit except you abide in me. Look at verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever lives in me, and I in him, bears much abundant fruit. However, apart from me... Cut off from vital union with me, you can do what? Now, I want you to pay particular attention to that phrase. 
cut off from vital union with me. God desires to have a vital union and a vital communion with you and with me. See, we should spend time maintaining that union. Spend time maintaining that communion with Him. Scripture says that he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Did you know that in Him you're glued? You are glued to Him and He's glued to you. We could say it this way, we're laminated together. We are so tightly glued together that we have become one substance. Brenda and I have been married 35 years. We'll be married 36 years in July. You know, 50 years is looking closer all the time. But we have spent time maintaining the union. We do not just live in a house. We have a home together. And what is it that makes a home? Communion? Union? A loving relationship? Working on and developing and cultivating that marriage relationship. And it's well worth the time. And it's well worth your while to maintain your relationships. But it does take some work. And so it is with your union and your communion with the Lord Jesus Christ. It takes some effort. Because as I was sharing last week, that there are things that come against our lives that are pressure filled. I believe that's why the Apostle Paul said this, that even though the pressure has come my way, and even though I'm pressed in the natural realm beyond measure, I am going to continue to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And in the context of that verse, he's talking about knowing him as his determined purpose. And so Paul didn't deny the fact that he was going to have to press through the pressure. But he said, the goal and the mark is very much worth the press, the press that I'm pressing through. And you can do the same thing in your relationship with God. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes a purpose in heart. And I know you're saying amen in your heart. So... When you maintain the union, you're connected with Him. Aren't you glad to know you got friends in high places? You know, there's a song, I got friends in low places. Well, thank God all of us did at one time. But now that we've been raised up together and made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, we've got some friends in high places. Amen. And friends in high places won't bring you down to the low places. Just a thought. So one way in our part in maintaining this union and communion is simply to abide in the Word of God. Turn me to Proverbs chapter 6 and notice with me in verse 20 through 22. Proverbs 6. Where do you live? Where do you live? Where do you live? Some people live in fantasy land. Good friend of mine uh, had a couple in. 
And this is from another state. And we're not saying any names, so it won't hurt anything. But they needed marriage counseling. They needed to maintain the union and work on their relationship. And he noticed that the husband, his head was down a lot, and he was kind of not feeling real good about being there. I guess he knew what was coming. And so, you know, my pastor friend says, well, what's the difficulty? What's the problem? And she said, well, he doesn't treat me like so-and-so. He doesn't treat me like so-and-so. And the husband looked down. The pastor said, who's so-and-so? He said, you know, that guy on the soap opera. <laughs> that couple on the soap opera. Hello. Fantasy world. Doesn't she, isn't she aware of the fact that when they say it's a wrap, that they go back to their trailer? Different trailers? Probably don't even talk to one another till the next day. Hello. Living in fantasy world. Living in novels. Living in the television. Uh, how far do I go with this? Living in the internet. You don't know. Judy might be a 300-pound man on the other end of that line. I'm just saying. <laughs> Fantasy, we're living. Where do you live? A checkup from the neck up is in order. Other people are living in the past. You know, man, if I just hadn't done that, if I hadn't said that, if I hadn't been there, you need to let go of that. Forgetting those things that are behind. You cannot run your race looking in the rear view when mirror. You've got to keep your eyes on the prize. Let go of the past. The past is over with and should be forgotten. If I lived in the past, I'd live a guilt-ridden life. Because the enemy would continually bring a picture of who I was and what I did and the hell that I caused in the lives of the people around me. But you know, when you come to Christ... The Bible says you become a new creation. Yes, amen. And that old things are passed away and all things become new. I can hear scriptures in my spirit. He says, I even I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins anymore. Amen. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed your transgressions from you. We serve a great God. We serve an awesome God. Corey Ten Boom said that God has cast our sins in the sea of forgetfulness. Now, don't go fishing for them. See, the devil is a historian. And when he reminds you of your past, simply remind him of his past. How that Jesus annihilated him on Calvary's cross. And then if you really want to give him a difficult time, remind him that his future doesn't look so bright either. 
Amen? But people are living in the past. Living in the past. To have a bright future and stay on the path that God has for you, you've got to be present. You've got to be here. Amen? Amen? And then there are people that are living in the land of unfulfilled desires. Another word for that, of course, is lust. Lust just doesn't have to do with sexual desires. But lust really has to do with any strong desire that would be inconsistent with the Word of God. I mean, you can lust after money. You can lust after another person's wife or another person's husband. But you can also lust after things and desire things that are not the plan of God and the will of God for your life. And so I believe that Paul said something clear to us in the book of Philippians. He said this. He said, I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. Now, contentment is something that you learn. And contentment is something that comes, really, I believe, by dwelling in Him and Him living in you. Because when the greater one comes to sup with you, to have a meal with you, and to fellowship with you, He's going to give you a peace about your past. He's going to give you such peace about your future. And so, get away from the fantasies of this world. Don't live in the past and let go of those unfulfilled desires and say, God, my plan in my life is to do your will. Say that with me right now. Lord, Lord, not my will, will, but your will, your plan. plan. Let it be accomplished in my life. Now look at Proverbs chapter 6. Those are just little side journeys. And look with me at verses 20 through 22. Again, our part is to maintain the union by maintaining fellowship with Him and, of course, being in the Word and letting the Word be in us. In Proverbs 6, verses 20 through 22, He says, My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not the law of thy mother. Bind them continually upon thine heart and tie them about thy neck. And when you go, it will lead you. When you sleep, it will keep you. And when you awake, it will talk with you. Isn't that powerful? When there is just an overabundance of God's word in your life, I believe your sleep can be sweet. I believe that when you wake up in the morning, the Holy Spirit is right there. And He can bring the Word to your remembrance. That's awesome. He speaks to you when you wake up in the morning. That's how you know that you're living in Him. That's how you know that you're abiding in Him. How many of you have a a bank account? All right. You ought to have a bank account. A checking account. And you ought not to spend everything you get. Have a savings account. And so to uh, withdraw money from your checking account or your savings account, you have to have made some deposits. Now we know the old saying, no deposit. Now the money that you deposited last year and some of you last week is most likely gone. 
You used it paying bills, right? Buying groceries. We bought a 20-pound bird for four people. And we fed about 12. Because the next day, John and Lindy went down to Morgan Hill and brought it to her relatives. But the money that you deposited last week or last year is most likely gone. You must, if you would say it like this, you must keep making deposits in order to make withdrawals. Somebody says, well, I don't understand what's happening. Learn how to balance your checking book. I made a deposit last month. Yes, and you spent it. Well, I read healing verses last year. You see, faith does not come for the child of God by having heard. We cannot live on stale manna. God's got a fresh word for us. He's got a rhema for us every day of our lives. And we must refresh ourselves in our heart account. By making continuous deposits of the word of the Lord. You know, I have an office at home and I have good old Alexander Scorby uh, reading the Bible. And uh, some mornings I'll just put it on Matthew 1 or maybe one of the epistles. And I'll just let the word play in my office. You know, and maybe I'll go get ready and go do something, have a little snack and come up with the words playing. See, I'm surrounding myself with the word. I'm making a good deposit into my heart account. Because sooner or later, I'm going to need what's on the inside. And when life's challenges come to you, you're going to want something on the inside to be able to speak to the circumstances on the outside. Jesus said this. He said that out of the abundance of the heart, what's going to speak? The mouth is going to speak. So to be connected with him... Have great, tremendous deposits in your heart account. In your heart account. Now, I mentioned a little bit earlier how important it is for us to stay united to Him, vitally connected with Him, and how that we live in here and we live here. Your thoughts are really, really important. And what you do with your mind and what you allow yourself to think on has a greater impact on your life than you probably realize. You know, in the book of Colossians, he tells us this. He says, if you be risen with Christ, set your affection on things above, not on things that are on the earth. There is the ability, living in union with him, living in, being connected with him, to keep your mind set on him. He said in Isaiah, he said, I'm going to keep the man or woman of God in perfect peace who's got their mind stayed on me. I want you to look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you would. Verse 16. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm excited today because I know that before these two services are over today, I know there's going to be people that are moving. Because they've been living in the wrong place. They've been thinking on the wrong thoughts. And I don't know if any of you are here today that need to move. But glory to God, if you need to move, you can move from Downsville to Upsville. You can can move from Depressedville to Joyville. Amen. 
in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, he says, For which cause we do not faint, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is what? So there's two different things that are happening here, right? The outer man is getting older, right? Your body's getting older. But the inner man is getting stronger. And the inward man, he's being renewed day by day. Now somebody help me with this. If you will cultivate and go in training with this inner man, and you will develop him, it will impact your outer man. It'll keep you strong. It'll keep you healthy. It'll keep you quick. It'll keep you bright. It'll cause you to be a major blessing. When you cultivate this union and you maintain vital communion with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, it will impact your flesh. Woo, glory to God. It'll strengthen you with might by the Holy Spirit in the inner man. It'll cause you to be smart. I know it's true. You know my testimony. I came out of heroin addiction in 1974, gave my life to Jesus Christ, and God restored my soul. And He restored my soul by the renewing of my mind. My first report card as a senior in high school back in Minneapolis was four Fs and a D minus. As you could tell, I was not paying attention. It was not that I was stupid or dumb. It's just that I didn't pay attention. I had no life in me. But you know, when Jesus Christ came into my life, those F's were turned into A's. Those D minuses were turned into A's. Listen, friends, the Holy Spirit will quicken you. And we do not have to buy into the fact, though we are, some of us, getting older. I just turned 62 on November 5th. Okay? My mustache is grayer than it was when I was 42. And I refuse to paint it anymore. Because I do not, I do not want to look like Juan Valdez. You know, there's, you know, you do what you got to do with yours. But as for me and my house, Juan went bye-bye. 62 years old. Maybe you're 72. Maybe some of you are in your 80s. The Bible says that we can still bring forth fruit in our old age. Though the body is getting a little older on the inside, we're getting stronger. Now do not, I repeat, do not buy in to the kind of talk that a lot of people buy into when they get older. Oh, I'm just so forgetful. I must be losing my mind. You know, I just, I don't know what's going on. Refuse that. Close the door on that. I'm telling you, God will keep you. He'll keep you quick. He'll keep you bright. He'll keep you sharp. You know, the Bible says that the memory of the just is blessed. Amen. Say with me, I'm not getting weaker. I'm getting stronger. Though this outward man... May be getting older, yet on the inside, my life is getting brighter. Some would say, you know, well, you know, my life sucks. You know, my life has been absolutely bogus. 
My life is just hardly worth living. It's because where you've been living. And I know that sometimes, you know, people are clinically challenged and I understand depression very, very well. And I understand that sometimes there are chemical imbalances and so forth and so on. I understand that very well. But I also understand that much of what people are wearing a frown on their face about is where they've been living. They've been maintaining unions and communions with the wrong things. Um, There's something about talking about him that just brings his presence on the scene. You know, there's, there, there's, you've, you've been with friends. You've had fellowship with people. And, you know, you might talk about the Raiders for a while. Not that there's much to talk about. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let's rewind. Okay. You've all had friends. <laughs> I think I just lost you. <laughs> Where you fellowship with me, we were talking about sports or, you know, you were talking about golf. But then the conversation switched. And you you started talking about scriptures. Or you, you started talking about maybe a service you were in or something that was just impacting on your soul. And, and all of a sudden, the presence of God shows up. You know, after Jesus rose from the dead couple of his disciples were walking down the road of Emmaus. And they were talking about him. And next thing you know, there he was. He showed up. They didn't really recognize him, but he was there. Another time that his disciples were together and, and he came in without a door. Talking about him brings him on the scene. Now, his presence is everywhere because he is omnipresent. But his presence is not always felt or sensed. You know that. You go into some cities and uh, you, you just sense, you don't sense the presence of God at all. Why is that? It's because the majority of the people in that city aren't conscious of him. They're not maintaining that union. That, not being judgmental, it's just a fact. Uh, you go to other cities that I've been to, and it's like you get off the jet, and it's like, oh, Oklahoma's like that, where Brenda grew up. They call it Tulsa Jerusalem. <laughs> Why? Because uh, uh, not everybody, but a, a, a great majority of the people there are united. With him. See, whatever you talk about brings what you're saying on the scene. I can remember when I was uh, just a little boy. I grew up in Minneapolis and and my uncle Bud and and his uh, two girls and one son uh, lived in Omaha, Nebraska. And so sometimes we would go down there for Thanksgiving and, you know, enjoy a meal. And it's always good to see cousins. And, uh, I know Brenda's got about a thousand cousins. But uh, one time we went down to Omaha 
and Patty and Kathy, who are older than I am, Kathy actually lives in San Francisco, uh, they started telling like scary stories. And they were talking about this serial killer. And they were saying, you know, he's on the prowl. And it was stormy. And it was lightning. And it was thunder. My eyes were like this. <laughs> what did it do? It brought something else on the scene by what was being spoken. What we speak in our lives and into our lives with whatever we are in union with or communion with will begin to manifest. So I want to encourage you this morning to talk about Him. To think about Him. To praise Him. To worship Him. We can maintain this vital union and communion with Him If we'll do what Paul said in Thessalonica, he said, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Now, that doesn't mean that you become some sort of a a monk where you're up at four in the morning and you've got to pray four hours before breakfast. You know, that's that's ritualism and that's dead and that's cold. But praying without ceasing simply means live a life of prayer. Live a life of prayer. Brenda and I might be driving down the road, going on a drive or something, and we're talking about things, and yet we're still connected with Him. We might be talking about, you know, where we're going to eat or, you know, what we're going to do or something like that, but we're living in union with Him. And you can do the same thing. The Scripture talks about a life of prayer that is without ceasing. Hallelujah. You see, God wants to have fellowship with you. He's crazy about you. He's not mad at you. He's for you. He's on your side. And he wants to make himself real to you. So for which cause we do not faint, but though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Verse 17 in 2 Corinthians 4, he says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, it works for us a far exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You know what we're doing right now is so brief. What we're doing now here on this earth is so brief, it's going to be over with just like that. While we're here, let's not waste our time. Let's stay connected to Him. Let's stay connected to the eternal realm. In verse 18 it says, We're not looking at the things which are seen. I'm not going to think about the things which are seen. No, I'm not hiding my head like an ostrich in the sand. But I'm not going to live a life of worry and fear about the future. We're not looking at the things which are seen. But we're looking at the things which are not seen. In other words, we're keeping an eternal perspective. For the things which are seen are temporary. I got news for you. What's going on in this world has an expiration date. Everything you see around you is like a gallon of milk. It's got a date on it. 
So let us live our lives. Let us live our lives with an eternal perspective. Keeping our thoughts on Him. Then in closing, turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 5. You can move before this service is over. You can make up your mind, I'm going to live in a different place. A different place. Not a critical, judgmental place. Not a carnal life. In Romans chapter 8, verse 5. Notice with me in verse 5 and 6, it says, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the things of the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded, what is it? To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Does it matter what we mind? Does it make a difference what's on our mind? How much of a difference does it make? It makes a difference between life and death, between peace and fear. Our thoughts are important. And you know what? Truthfully, God is endeavoring by His Spirit, thank you, to get His thoughts over to you regularly. God is endeavoring through the Holy Spirit to inspire your thought life. Did you know that you are sitting in a building right now that is 35,000 square foot that is dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ? Did you know that this facility used to be a six-screen movie theater? Did you know that there's five acres of land that are holy? That this is a holy place? Because this is set apart and sanctified for the master's use? But this building, this vision started as a thought. What if? What if we were to buy that place? What if we were to do this and do that and have the sanctuary here? And what if? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. When Brenda saw me for the first time, she said, What if? What if? We've got people that are graduating from college, getting PhDs and masters, who came out of families that didn't have high school education. But mom and dad thought, what if we could send our babies to school? What if they could go to college? Oh, don't despise the day of small beginnings. It begins as a thought. Relationships begin as a thought. What if? People thought for years, what if? What if in England they thought, what if? We could have freedom of religion. What if? It started as a thought. And baby, we come a long way. We ain't perfect. But before it's all over with, the will of God will be done in the USA. What if? What if I was to go to that trade school? The devil's told some of you, you've had it. 
you're middle-aged. There's nothing more for you. You might as well just go on home. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. See, just as your heavenly Father is endeavoring to give you thoughts, so is the enemy. Because thoughts are spiritual in their origin. Their thoughts are spiritual in their origin. They're seeds. God's thoughts are seeds. The enemy's thoughts are seeds. That is why God says, cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every every thought to the obedience of Christ the Anointed One, and His Word. Because thoughts are spiritual in their origination, they produce harvests. Okay? So, what kind of harvest do you want? I think the answer is very clear. We all want a good harvest. Jesus has come that we would have life and that we would have it more abundantly. I've spoken long enough. Did you get anything today from the Word of God? Father, we thank you for the Word. We give you glory. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we close this service today, help every one of us to be more God-inside-minded, more conscious of you and your presence. Lord, as this holiday season begins, we know that there's parties, that we know that there's celebrations, and we enjoy every bit of it. But Lord, help us to stay conscious of you and realize and understand that you are a great, great God and you live on the inside of us. Yeah. Father, we thank you for it right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord.